Hey, guys, this episode is brought to you by TeePublic. You guys know TeePublic. I've been with TeePublic forever, since the Schmodown days, since the big thing launched. If you have a Sith Council shirt, if you have any of our, our shirts, you got them from TeePublic. From over the years, we've been working with TeePublic. When I went out on my own, they were one of the first calls that I made. So not only can you get all of the branded merch from this show, T-shirts, stickers, phone cases, mugs, all that, when you are on the site, do a search. You're going to discover something that you like, especially in this space, man. An artist uploads new work to the Tee Public Marketplace every five seconds. Because of the thousands of global artists that populate the marketplace, you're going to find designs you won't find at a big box store, especially if your interests are super niche. Doesn't matter what you're into, you can find it on Tee Public. You want a graphic tee of a cat riding a unicorn? Check. A t-shirt with your favorite movie quote? Got it. You want merch for the big thing? Hey, that's what you want, obviously. I've been using TeePublic forever. If you guys know me from back in the day, I've been talking about them that long. So it was obvious that I was going to be using them again, and I'm so glad that I did. So many of you guys, when I see you at some of the events, you're wearing the big thing shirts, and it all comes from TeePublic. And browse around on my link. It's going to be in the iCard right there. It's going to be in the description right there. Browse around. You will find stuff that you like. So... I'm happy that they're on the show. They're sponsoring the show now. T Public, everybody. Check them out. Hello, everybody. Happy Monday. Thanks for joining me back on The Big Thing. Blue Beetle does about what it was predicted to do. Opening weekend, about 25, 30 million. Not great for the new uh, DC movie. And what does it mean for the brand in general? What does it mean for the character of Jaime Reyes? It, you know, can it... Does it have legs because of good word of mouth, or is it pretty much just uh, another DC failure over the last year or so as far as box office goes? Something new happened, man. Something new. Star Wars, Marvel, they were pretty, the TV shows were exclusive for the streaming services. Not anymore. Mandalorian, WandaVision, a few others are going to uh, Blu ray. Who who thought that was going to happen? At one point, I remember them saying, "No, no, no, it's not. It's ne never going to happen." Well, now because I think they're realizing that just streaming ain't the way to make some money, they're going to release these things on Blu-ray, and I think it's a pretty good call. But I'm curious what you guys think. Tomorrow, we're going to get a trailer for the highly anticipated Zack Snyder science fiction fantasy Rebel Moon. So they have a few titles that were, I guess, two of the... I, I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a movie. And then, so they said it was a series. I guess it's two long movies. I, I don't know. Either way, there's two titles for it. And I'm excited to see the trailer tomorrow. So we'll see how that pans out. Um, and that's really that's really it. There's, I mean, there's there's a couple things here and there that we'll, we'll get into. But for the most part, that's what we're going to cover on the shorter episode today. Um... And I hope that you guys had a great weekend. So let's get into it. Let's get into the big thing. It's Monday. If you haven't already done it, hit that button. Let's get to 100,000 subscribers. We're almost at 90. We're right around the corner. This week, we should be at 90. But we need you guys to help us along. All right, let's do it. It's the big thing. I'm ready. Cool. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's the big thing. And it's Monday. Had a hurricane here in Los Angeles. Hurricane slash earthquake here. And um, lucky enough, where, where I am, I didn't really get hit with either too badly. It was a lot of rain from where I was, but a lot of people got um, got hit with some flooding. And I saw the footage from Ojai is where it really hit, the earthquake rather. Pretty devastating. It was like five point. I saw this video, which is pretty. I don't know the context of it, but from what I saw, this woman was doing something in in her house or kitchen or whatever, and starts shaking and like badly, and she just runs right outside, which is great in theory. About ten seconds after it hits, some, I assume her kid comes running out, like ah, what's going on? How about get the kid first and then run out? Like, unbelievable. I couldn't, I don't know the context of it, but that's what it looked like to me. I don't know if anybody else saw that video. Either way, um, I hope anybody who is 
watching in the Southern California region or listening, um, I hope you guys are safe. I hope everything is okay. It was um, it was pretty nuts. The fact that the first hurricane that I mean that I'd ever heard of in Southern California. Yeah, I'm living in Florida for all those years, and even in New York had gotten hit with them. But um, yeah, it was a lot, a lot of rain, and we got lucky. A lot of times, and a lot of people reached out because we've had flooding in the past with heavy rain here in the studio, and we made it out okay. Looking around, we made it out okay. So anyway, um, okay, let's get to some news, and I want to start with the box office. Blue Beetle. This is an article by Dark Horizons. Now, Blue Beetle has the near lowest DCEU start. Now, it might have finally knocked Barbie off the top of the box office, but the results for the DC Comics adaptation Blue Beetle must be leaving Warner's feeling a little blue. The film opened to an estimated 25.4 in North America and a further 18 million in 63 markets overseas for a global start of 43.4. That figure's domestic debut is behind earlier tracking estimates of between 28 to 32 million, and it gives it the second lowest opening of any film in the DCEU Snyderverse ahead of only Wonder Woman 84, which was released simultaneously on HBO Max and the height of the wave of the pandemic. Greta Gerwig's Barbie came in second with 21.5 domestically and 26 overseas in its fifth. Domestically, it sits at 567.3 million and its worldwide total stands at 1.2 billion. Oppenheimer was third place with 10.6 million, bringing its global to 718 million. The naughty canine comedy Strays looks to be put down as the film opened to just a fifth place debut with 8.3 million domestically, coming in behind Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in fourth place with 8.4. The Meg had 6.7 this weekend, the film doing Bafo box office overseas, which means the global stands at around 300 million. A24's Talk to Me was seventh with 45 million worldwide so far, 10 times its budget. Last voyage of Demeter, I guess I said Detmer. I don't, yeah, someone said because you can tell he doesn't care about that movie. Fact plunged 62% in its second weekend to a 2.5 million three day domestic haul in 10th place. And then Gran Turismo in the overseas did 2022 by the weekend's end. Um, okay, the story obviously is the DC kind of debacle right now with box office because if you're James Gunn, you know, it's you got to be wondering, what does this mean for Superman Legacy? You hope. You hope what it means is, okay, people just really want a clean slate. They really want some new movies. Superman is one of our most popular ones so far. It's a good one to lead with, and let's hope it changes the whole dynamic of what we're doing here. And and we just kind of, everything else that was, it was, we, we shot these things already. We had to put them out. We did what we had to do. They're just not performing. We're overhyping them. We're doing this. We're doing everything that we can to try to get people in there and can't. And I and and I saw it was funny because today it was on um, Twitter and someone was like, "Oh, I think because you interviewed Sholo, you know, you uh, you might have gone soft on this movie." I was like, "No, it said exactly how I felt about it, and I and I stand by it." And to me, the movie is really charming when it deals with the family aspects. Um, for the hundred twenty million dollars that they used, I thought that the the, the effects were better, certainly better than the flashes. I thought the stuff that some of the jokes worked, some of the stuff didn't work, some of the jokes fell flat, some of the jokes were kind of reaching a little bit. And then I think that the overall superhero plot was generic, seen in a million times, and sometimes played like um, like Power Rangers. And I said that much in the review, and I say that again here. But I think that Sholo's super charming in it. I think that Bruno uh, Marconisi, Bruna Marconisi, is um, is a star. And and I look forward, hopefully, that this doesn't deter them from using Sholo or Jaime Reyes in the um, new DCU because I think that the characters really played well. I, I think when they when they focused on them in the same way that I love loved the stuff Ms. Marvel. I like the stuff with the family and the stuff that they did with the the character stuff. It was the it's the problem that a lot of these kind of comic book movies are having now is that we've seen its origin stories specifically. We've seen so many of them now that it's hard to make them fresh. And there was just the and again, the other thing I said that I stand by is that I think that the both Susan Sarandon and, and her henchmen were both generic villains that we've seen a million different times. 
So that stuff, yeah. But overall, do I think it was charming? It had very charming parts, and I think that it is a star turn for Sholo, absolutely. But nonetheless, people are but, – but the reaction that people are seeing it, it's, it's got a pretty good audience score, and people are enjoying it that are seeing it. The problem is that not enough people are seeing it, and the question is why, right? So I think there's a lot – there's, there's a lot of times that that goes into – there's a lot of things that go into it when a movie doesn't do well off the top. And for, the first one is if they hear that it's not a good movie. If it's like this is a terrible movie, I'm not going to see it. It's getting crapped on by everybody. Well, that's not the case because it's not. There are some people that are seeing it and then they don't like it and they think it's generic. And if you go and you see it as a superhero movie and you think it's generic, I understand that. And I happen to agree with the superhero. And if you don't respond to the family dynamic, you don't respond – to the character stuff, you're not gonna like it. That's that's the best part of the movie, in my opinion. Um, but I don't think that that's what's happening overall because I think a lot of people are enjoying watching the film. Um, and I think that the other problem, well, a lot of different problems, but one of the problems is you look at The Flash, right? And you look at, um, what is it, The Flash, you look at uh, Black Adam, you look at Shazam, all three movies, that didn't do well, Black Adam being the best, doing the best out of the three of them, and um, with a ridiculous budget of almost $300 million. So you look at those movies, what they all had, the the Black, Ad, Black Adam had The Rock, okay? Now, Zach Levi, not a major star, but he's recognizable more so than Sholo, right? And then um, The Flash had Michael Keaton. So those that star power side of it, sure. Again, Black Adam, not a recognizable character, probably on part, like, same with Blue Beetle, maybe the only thing more, more in the favor of Black Adam is because it's got a connection to Shazam, which people do know. Shazam was coming off a recognizable character from a first movie. The Flash, recognizable character plus Batman, and Michael Keaton and all that stuff too, and Supergirl. So all that stuff lends them to do better than Blue Beetle. So that's the struggle Blue Beetle has. Um, not having the the movie star, not having the the recognizable character. And and then the other part of it is that that people are kind of over movies that they've seen a, a, a bunch before. And and the casual fan, another superhero movie, like what's why why do I need to go see this? That's, that's what people are, why am I spending money on this? That's what they're looking at. Now, I do think the $120 million budget have, gives them an opportunity to get closer to at least breaking even than the other ones do if the word of mouth sticks. And there isn't a lot. The, the problem that The Flash had was The Flash came out in like June where there was a lot of stuff that was still coming out. You had Mission Impossible still coming out. You had Indiana Jones coming out. You had... Um, Barbie and Oppenheimer and all these other movies coming out that it just got lost in the shuffle. There's not a lot out right now, minus Gran Turismo and a few other things that people want to go to the movies and they and they were like, okay, is it is it decent? But I, I really and I I've talked about this on the show before when I was I was back in New York in June and I had this conversation about the Flash, um, about why people didn't see it and and the. From from people who are just like kind of casual fans, not like people who are that are connected into this space and pay attention to it a lot, and just people who like to go see movies and will see an ad or something too. My uncle and my my best friends growing up both had the same answers. I'm just kind of over the superhero thing right now, unless it's like something I really need to see. And there was there's nothing really the the what Marvel was doing so well was they connected it all together, and he was like watching an episode of a television show to find out what was happening next. I think that's kind of lost for them. And Guardians was a connection and an end of a trilogy. So um, I wonder, same thing, even Doctor Strange was a connection, because I, I was wrong last week. I, th I thought that movie only hit like five or 600, but it hit almost a billion dollars. Um, but it was still a connection to the older regime, right? So what does, what happens next with, the Marvels, I think, is going to be a big indicator of how true this is. Because the Marvels does still connect to the, the first regime, right? It, it does, with 
Captain Marvel connecting into and the first movie made a billion dollars. Um, and then Captain Marvel was in both Infinity War. She was in uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, and then the question is, how does it play after this new phase has been fairly subpar? And it needs to do, it needs to be a big movie to get people to go, okay, well, maybe people are, are still invested. And not just, and Aquaman is, a, Aquaman is another one. Because Aquaman is really the last piece of the DCEU. And it's the last piece of saying, okay, well, these are all, because when, when James Gunn came in, they're like, well, we have all these movies we shot. We have everything we got to get out there. What do we do? Like, well, let's just really, let's, let's pump it up. Let's do it. Let's get it out there. Let's, let's hype these up. Let's make some money. Let's, let's see what we can do. But that's why the door is open for, remember, we talked about that in kind of great depth on, on Capes and Cal. The door is open for Gal Gadot. And she, that's probably what they told her, obviously, in the room too. The door is open for any of these characters to come back when in reality, were they? Or let's, it's kind of like a, well, in, if they could be completely honest they would, and say, well, let's see how they do. If you guys go out and support these things and they make a billion dollars a piece, it'd be stupid for us to not have the door open to try to do more if you guys want to continue to see these characters in these roles. But it, it don't look that way because every single time these movies come out and these budgets are, are just... Are, are ridiculous. What was the other budget I just saw that I saw? I saw something and I was like, oh, oh, the Strays. Strays. Strays hit whatever it was, $8 million over the weekend. That movie cost $45 million to make. That's insane. That's insane. Now, I know a lot of times you go, well, I thought you said $45 million isn't that much. It's not for something like a, a, a big budget studio film, but with dogs and voiceovers. I mean, that's a streaming movie. There's a lot of people who liked that movie a lot better than I did. I didn't think it was terrible. I just thought it was a movie that was, I feel like you would have seen it on Netflix. And I got some laughs at it, but it's a lot of poop and dick humor. A lot of it. And they rely on it sometimes too much where I didn't think they need to. You know, it's like, and, and, and I say this, like I, the, right, the, head, the writer and producer of the show, Dan Peralta, is the guy, if you guys, I don't know if you ever watched my, my thing that I did on Fandango when I was at the Oscars. Dan was like my partner in crime. And I root for Dan. I love Dan. But I just thought the movie itself was like, you know, it was cute, but it wasn't hilarious. It wasn't something, and it wasn't something when I left the theater, although it was so weird. It was so weird. I, that place that I go to see the movie, uh, I go all the time, and I've never seen a dog there. If I have, I haven't really paid attention to it, maybe once. I walked out of Strays, and people were walking dogs all over this mall. It was bizarre, all over the place. You look at the, watch the, the, the out of the theater I did. I, you see at least three of them in the review. There were like six, seven, tons. I couldn't believe how many dogs there were out there. It was bizarre. It was really, really weird. Anyway, um, and the movie when I was watching, I was like, it's, it's, it's cute. It's funny. That's it, not a bad movie. It just, it, I just couldn't tell anybody, be, feel it was justified to tell anybody in the attitude, theater, you got it. This is side splitting. This is one of those comedies you have to see in the theater. You got to be around everybody just kind of rolling around laughing people are losing their minds it's like no it's cute it's fine it's like oh, the, the gimmick is is your dog's curse and and this and it's a nice it's a cute little story but is it worth spending that kind of money now what it costs to go to see a movie in the theater is it worth it and i don't think it is and it's where the the theater business has just changed and because of prices and all these things and things you, and because the other thing you got to take into consideration is the amount of money that you're paying for streaming services you look at it and you go, people don't ever say this too much. I know people think of it. They don't really say it as much. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I'm paying X amount for Netflix. I'm paying this for Disney Plus. I'm paying for um, Apple. I'm paying for Amazon. I'm paying for Hulu. I got uh, Paramount. I have all these things. And what am I spending 60 bucks to take the 70 bucks to take the family out tonight when we could just all the money we're spending on streaming will pop on a movie, maybe something that just came on, watch it, and there we go. Because it's a crapshoot. Because you, what you don't want to do is spend 60, 70 bucks and look and go, I feel like we're going to watch that on TV. And maybe that's the same case for Blue Beetle. It's like, is it worth it for us to go out to the theater to see this? Like, It's one of those movies that if I, I want to go to the movies this weekend. Well, Blue Beetle's in the theater. We should go check it out. And that's kind of the... 
that's what I hope happens with it. People just want to go to the movies and want to go check it out and say, oh, I want to go to the movies. Okay, what do you want to see? I don't know. Is this Blue Beetle any good? I heard it's good. That's what I hope happens. But the way the movies usually make their money is more so of the, oh, you know what's out in the theater right now? Barbie. We got to go see Barbie. I'm going to go check out Barbie. Oppenheimer's out. We got to go see Bar We got to go see Oppenheimer. Let's go see it. It's out. I haven't seen it. You know, it's, it's, and I know people still, like my wife and my daughter haven't seen Barbie yet. They're waiting for the crowds to die down. They're going to see it. And that's going to add to it. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's a bummer, but it's not, it's not crazy. It's not crazy that, that the results are in. It is a bummer that it, it, it still, Blue Beetle hit less than what it was predicted to do because, as I said, I think it's, a, I think it's charming. Um, I just don't know what's going to – I don't think there's going to be another kind of big, massive hit. I mean, June's coming around the block, man. Now, are they going to get this uh, and get this thing figured out, this strike? And speaking of which, this is something also I wanted to bring up. Speaking of the strike and speaking of promotion, again, from Dark Horizons, as I was mentioned in June, part of the actor strike stipulations is that actors who are members of SAG aren't allowed to promote any of the projects that they're involved in. That means stars aren't showing up at premieres and aren't doing interviews on talk shows or with magazines and TV news outlets. Planned media tours have also been scrapped left and right. It has often been asked whether it is having an actual impact on box office, and if so, by how much. Several studio sources have now quantified the figure enough to make an estimate in a story over The Hollywood Reporter. They suggest the movie's earnings at the box office could be hurt by as much as 15% due to the fall-off in the talent-driven publicity. Specifically, the recent 43.1 million five-day opening of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is believed to have taken a hit of 7 to 10 million because of the publicity restrictions placed on its cast and co-writer-producer Seth Rogen. Paul Dergarabedian, no chance I got that right, of Comscore is less certain of figures, telling the outlet, while the box office impact is difficult to quantify with mathematical certainty, there is no question that this time-honored tradition has value. I mean, if you look at Strays and Blue Beetle, that might also be um, possible because I, I had mentioned this uh, last week or the week prior. I don't remember. But I do think that Sholo being out there, would it have added another 20 or $30 million? No. But would it have helped? Yes. George Lopez out there? Yes. Um, like, it, it would have helped. Because it would have gotten more notice, and it also would have shown Sholo's personality more and got him out there more. Um, I think it would have helped. Again, would it have made it a, a major hit? Would it have put it, you know, in the in the oh my god, Blue Beetle's crushing it? No, it wouldn't. Strays, I think, definitely would have benefited. Um, I don't know if Jamie Foxx is well enough yet to be giving interviews and things too. I know he's given a few, but I think that maybe having him and Will Ferrell together would have been. Big, they probably gotten some moments out of out of it to, again, help. Would it have put it in the profit again? Probably not. Would it have, the fact of would it have been better than eight million? I think yes, especially with the star power that's involved with it, and that's another reason why it probably cost as much as it did. I mean, they had a lot of people in that movie that they they could have probably just gone with uh, Will Ferrell and and Jamie Foxx and just gotten other voice actors to to do you know, well, uh, unknown voice actors and didn't have to pay the same kind of rates to bring the, the budget down a little bit. Um, unless they really thought that you were going to be able to do 30, 25, 30 million dollars on opening weekend for that movie. I just, it's just such a different time. It's just such a different time. Um, you know what it is time for? It's time for a new mattress. This video is sponsored by Helix Sleep. Their Labor Day sale is running now, and it's a great time to upgrade your mattress. You can get 25% off your purchase for a limited time if you check out the Helix site for more details. I got a new mattress from Helix, and I love it. When I had heard that Helix was coming on board, or they were interested in it, I was like, well, you know, my wife and I, we really do need a new mattress for our room. And we've we've had our old one for about six years or so, and it's like, yeah, let me let me check it out. It's really great. Premium mattresses customized to fit your needs, conveniently shipped right to your door. Helix's sleep quiz that matches you to the perfect mattress based on your body type and your sleep preferences. I 
need a nice relaxing bed and nice and comfy and something good for my back. I sleep on my side. So I had all that stuff and it let me know exactly what was right. The Helix sleep mattresses are fiberglass free. They deliver the mattress right to your door, free shipping in the US and it comes rolled up in a box and it's really easy to set up. We got the Helix Sunset Lux. And already when I got it, I was like, oh man, put it on the bed, on the, on the frame. And we laid down on it, and I was just like, oh, it's so soft, and it's so comfortable. And well, the hilarious thing is we, we, we let it air out, and I, my, we had my, my in-laws over. And I was outside, and I walk in, and my, my mother-in-law is just laying on the bed. This is so comfortable. It's amazing. And my, my kids want to like, lay on it. It's, it's super. It's just, you just kind of sink into it, and it's just so comfortable. All right, there is a Labor Day sale going on right now, August 21st to August 31st. Visit helixsleep.com slash big thing and get 25% off Helix mattresses plus two free pillows during the Labor Day sale. It's running now for a limited time. Again, that is helixsleep.com slash big thing. Get 25% off the mattress here. It's amazing. So go ahead and check it out. Thank you again to Helix for being involved in the show. Very excited to have them for a sponsor. If you're looking for a new mattress and you've been looking for a new mattress, please consider them. Um, I'm loving it. The picture you saw was from my place. That's my mattress. It's before we put the sheets on. That's after we put the sheets on. That's everything. I love it, um, and I'm very excited that they're on board. So please consider them. And not only will you be super satisfied, you'll also be helping out the show. So use the link in the description. Please go and check it out right now. All right, let me move on. All right, this was some news. This was some news. It, um, the Star Wars and Marvel shows are getting 4K discs. Who saw this coming? And this is, again, Dark Horizons. In a major surprise announcement, the Walt Disney Company today has confirmed that a number of popular Marvel Studios and Lucasfilm series are coming to 4K, uh, UHD, and Blu-ray. The first two seasons of The Mandalorian, the first season of Loki, and the entire WandaVision limited series are all making the jump to disc. They're the first Disney Plus original series to come to Blu-ray and 4K UHD physical media. The titles will come with collector's edition steelbook packaging, concept art cards, and never-before-seen bonus features, including deleted scenes, gag reels, featurettes, and more. If they are a success, it'll lead to Disney Plus doing more. It also marks a welcome change in attitude for Disney, which has shed away from physical 4K UHD releases in recent years. The studio also made headlines recently for giving up on physical disc releases in Australia after the third's Guardians film. Loki season one is coming September 26th. WandaVision is November 28th. And both seasons of The Mandalorian are December 12th. All four titles will be available to pre-order August 28th. Um, this is very interesting, to say the least. And I think that it all, make no mistake about it, it's also them going, all right, we're losing money in this streaming thing. Maybe it's not just about the subscribers, guys. Maybe we need to figure out how to make a little bit more kashish on these things. And this is how you do it. I mean, I always thought it was very, very bizarre that they wouldn't do it. I think, again, maybe because they would feel like, all right, this exclusive benefit you get if if you want to access it. If you're at Disney Plus, you want to watch Mandalorian Season 1, Season 2? Well, you can only watch it on Disney Plus. You can only check it out there on Disney Plus. And then you're like, okay, well, then I guess I got to get it. I guess the fear would be like, well, if we offer it on blu-ray and we offer it on the disc and why are the people why are people going to subscribe and that's a fair concern but i think that's also why you start to get these bonus features and all these other things and i think that if they can if they wait a little bit the way that they're doing it, it's why they're not putting like season three out there for mandalorian and you look and you go okay let's do this as an experiment let's see how they sell i think this is going to be a successful experiment i think people are going to want to own these things i think that is there's still it's it's the reason why they're also licensing out other properties to other places because the model of just keeping it exclusive is not working, obviously. They lost a lot of money. The amount of budgets that go into these things, they're going to need to put more money out, out there to, to make it work. So this makes sense to me. It makes a lot of sense to me, and I think these are the right titles to lead with. And I think having, especially for like Star Wars, the, the, the collectors in general, like I've got all the Star Wars Blu-rays and um I would love to have 
the Mandalorian series and you know the other ones when they come out too. It's even I've I've got shitty movies on my shelf too. There's something about having physical media that I've always enjoyed, right? Um, so I mean, I, I would be honest. I'd probably want to get the the Boba Fett one. I didn't love that series, the Obi Wan series, but I, I I wouldn't mind having the the bonus features and all that stuff as far as my, for to add to my collection. I think it's a smart thing to do, and I think it also yeah, it also allows there's something about it like when you when you have the physical media, there's just like there's just so many options when you're browsing around the streaming that you can land on something else. Like I don't know if I'm gonna do that, but if you get the physical the physical thing and you have it and you you own it like ah oh, let me pop this in there let's see what else they're offering and you kind of browse through the menus and you see what the sounds like you know and you you mess around with the sound options and the bonus features and the commentaries and it's 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 like it's weird that it's old school but it's old school but it still works and I think that people were missing that physical media thing and then especially if they decided one day like oh we're gonna pull all these things now we're only gonna allow people to have it if they have this access or you have this access not that they've ever talked about doing this but let's say sometimes like when max has all right i've got this that's on there until or netflix until december or whatever it is and then it's gone or hbo max well we're putting these batman titles and then they're gone and i just want to own it i don't have to worry about that it's like I have to. I'm paying X amount of dollars a month, but I don't even know if it's going to be there. Now I know that's not the case with something like Mandalorian and the Disney Plus shows. They're going to they're going to be there, but I don't know. I think it makes sense. I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. Do you like this plan? Do you think it works? What say you? Very very curious. Please let me know. Um, okay, I'm going to move on and talk about this uh, Rebel Moon stuff. I'm getting more and more excited for Rebel Moon. All right, Snyder's Rebel Moon gets new titles. Again, Dark Horizons here, Garth Franklin. Ahead of the official first trailer premiere tomorrow at Gamescom, the official titles have been released for Zack Snyder's two-part sci-fi epic Rebel Moon. What's on Netflix has revealed the news, indicating the first installment is titled Rebel Moon Part 1, A Child of Fire, and that arrives on December 22nd, 2023. The second installment is reportedly expected to be titled Rebel Moon Part 2, The Scar Giver, and is eyeing a 2024 release. Now, I saw these as two movies when I heard that, but then it says the series is set around a peaceful colony on the edge of the galaxy that is threatened by the armies of a tyrannical re uh, regent named Balisarius. The desperate civilians dispatch Korra, a young woman who has a mysterious past, to seek out warriors from nearby planets to help them challenge the region. The cast includes Sophia Butella as Cora, Ed Skrine as Admiral Atticus Noble, Charlie Hunnam as Kai, and this goes through the whole thing. Yada, yada, yada. Snyder directs from a screenplay. He's co-writing with Shea Hatton and Kurt Johnstead. Both films were well into post-production by the time the strikes began, and the first isn't expected to be moved from its planned release. So it is movies. They said series. That threw me off at one point. Um, I'm pumped for this one, man. I'm excited for it. I, I'm I'm really excited for the trailer tomorrow because, as I mentioned last week, when we were talking about there was some when the announcement came that Snyder was indeed releasing this trailer tomorrow. Um, I had mentioned I love the idea of original science fiction fantasy, and I think that a lot of times what happens is when they try to do these movies, science fiction fantasies, and they're pitched as original ideas, the studios don't have the balls to do them because there's not an attached IP to it, so they get nervous, and they won't do it, and they won't put that kind of money into it, and they won't give it a shot because it's not connected to something else that's familiar, and it's, and that's what always happens with like the people who take the risk. I mean, shit, the original Star Wars, right? But it always happens that way, and what Snyder is able to do is because he has a very recognizable name and because he's got such a dedicated fan base um, that the audio, that the studio is probably like, okay, this is based off of the Star Wars pitch. And first of all, second, let's look at the audience this guy has. Or he's got, he's kind of like a, he's 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 a visionary in the way that he does things, and he puts a look at the three hundred and all these other movies that he's that he's done. That this is kind of his first big thing after working in DCU DC for so long. So. What are we going to get here? Should we make this gamble? And I think it's the gamble. I think it's a good gamble to take. And it's this is interesting that they the gamble is is on Netflix, right? They have the money to do it. But like this would have been one that I would have loved to also have seen on the big screen. And I think this is something that if it is successful for Netflix and people really support this movie, and it does and becomes like one of their big films, um, I think that you might 
get a theatrical release if they they might already announce that they're doing it so correct me if i'm wrong but i would think that you'd get a heavier push into theatrical release but if it does really well for them and they didn't do that then i would say that if it does really well they probably will release the first one in the theaters before the second one comes out and then release the second one in theaters also maybe i'm wrong um but if, if just knowing the way snyder visually Nobody, whether you're a Snyder fan or you're not a Snyder fan, nobody can say that the guy is not a visual, visual storyteller. I mean, a really good visual storyteller. He really is. Even the ones in movies I'm not crazy about. It's still, they're always spectacles. They're always fun to watch. Um, so I, and science fiction fantasy, you're always going to get me with that. And I like Sophia Butella a lot. And I always think she shines in everything she's in. So I'm glad she's getting an opportunity to be the lead in this film. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? And as far as the titles go, sure. Okay. I, I don't know about anything about the movies yet. They, they could fit perfectly. They fit and go like, oh, I don't know. It might have been a better title, but I don't care. I want to see the, I want to see the trailer first. We're definitely going to be doing a trailer reaction for this tomorrow. Um, and speaking of tomorrow, we're definitely also going to be doing the, the UAP show tomorrow with myself, Riley, and Roxy will all be in studio. So make sure you check that out. That'll be up tomorrow. Um, before we move on, I do want to tell you guys both about uh, AG1 and Nutrafol. Let me tell you about them both right now. You guys are very familiar with AG1, and I'm glad that I am. I love AG1. They've changed my life, man. They really have. Our next partner is AG1. It's the daily foundational nutrition supplement that supports whole body health. I drink it every day. I wake up in the morning. I shake up uh, a scoop in a bottle of water. And actually, I've been using this cup I got from the zoo. Don't ask me why, but I, I, that's what I've been doing normally. And I put it in this cup, and I shake it around, and it is. And I, I love my coffee. I'm not going to tell you that I don't love coffee, but I only take one cup of coffee now. I only need one cup because AG1 is I, my sleep quality is better. My, uh, it, it just everything about it. I feel like my immune system is better now. It's like there's so much better. I just feel overall, I feel so much more healthy. My, I've been in a better mood. Since I've been taking AG1, I really have, and I love it. It's so good because I can't do the – it's hard for me to do the supplemental routine. It comes with a whole bunch of different products, and it, it's just – I don't know. It's, it's just easier for me to do it all with one shot. And since I've been drinking AG1, I've known just a, a lot of mental clarity. Uh, my, my digestion is easier. I'm focusing a lot better. So – for me, I don't understand why people would want to take a bunch of different things where you can just take one scoop, put it in powder, shake it up once a day, boom. Because AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to complicate your routine. It's the best. I am so excited and I'm so glad they're with us. They've been with us for so long. And you know, I had someone over the weekend ask me, hey, I want to support the show. I want to, I want to try AG1. You think I, I'll enjoy it? I said, yes, you will enjoy it for sure. And one of the things I really like about it too is that it tastes good. You wouldn't. It's green. It tastes good. I'm telling you. And it smells good, too. My wife the other day, she's like, what smells like berries? I was like, AG1, man. So if you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. You have to go to drinkag1.com slash big thing. Drinkag1.com slash big thing. Check it out. You'll thank me later. Don't be embarrassed. Don't do it. Listen, did you know that 80% of men will experience hair thinning in their lifetime? It's normal, guys. But it doesn't have to be your fate. You can get ahead of thinning with Nutrafol. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol's hair growth supplements use physician-formulated, natural science-backed ingredients. Their drug-free patented technology provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair wealth wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health through whole body wellness. It works. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol men's hair growth supplements. Everybody feels this way as you're getting older. You're like, oh, man, am I the only one? This is Why is this happening to me? This and that. You, we're in an age now where you can get it helped. You can get it fixed. Take the first step. 
to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men, but you have to enter that promo code Big thing. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men. And enter that code big thing. That's Nutrafol.com slash men. Promo code big thing. So over the weekend, I did a, uh, a poll um, and I asked people, I said like, just curious, you know, if you've if you're part of the show, you wanted to support this show um, in the past. How many people have in the past gotten one of our sponsors before? And I either put the option, yes, I've gotten them, or not yet, right? And obviously, with, with the, if if the amount if if everybody who watches the show and have subscribed had had gotten one of the sponsors, well, we'd be able to do this show for the next like ten years. So I obviously know that that was it wasn't going to be eighty five percent. So some somebody was writing like. Well, I don't know if you got the responses you thought you were going to get. I got exactly the responses I thought I was going to get because that's the whole reason I put not yet. We want to give you guys the options and finding people that you guys enjoy on this show and sponsors you guys enjoy. So when you um, when you have someone that you like and you want to try it out, please. AG1, I know I've been super popular with you guys. Please go ahead and check them out. And Nutrafol, um, very excited to have found them. So please give them a shot. All of our sponsors, the links are in the description, and it's always the first pinned comment below. So thank you. Okay, so moving on here. Thunderbolts. That's a, that's a movie that could do very well for Marvel. This is a, a who's who and people that we've seen before, and this could be a, a, a kind of turnaround for the MCU. Now, this article is that Marvel's Thunderbolts is not a sequel at all. The upcoming Thunderbolts movie marks a team of, of multiple supporting characters from all across the MCU. Sebastian Stan's Bucky Barnes has appeared in multiple films. Wyatt Russell's U.S. agent appeared in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, and Hannah John Kamen's ghost appeared in Ant-Man and the Wasp. More than any other Marvel Studios film, though, the new movie seems to mostly tie back to Black Widow with the inclusion of three characters introduced here. David Harbour's Red Guardian, Florence Pugh's Yelena, and Olga Kurlianko's Taskmaster. This has led to speculation that this is essentially a sequel to that film, a claim that director Jake Schreer assures comicbook.com it's not the case and it's own, it is its own complete thing. He says, yeah, I wouldn't look at this as a sequel at all, and I don't think that we talk about it that way. And we've never really approached it that way in any of the conversation that we've had with Kevin or Brian in working on. I think that there's a story to be told about a group of characters who can relate to each other in a certain way or have gone through certain things and we're going to get into that. And so much as, I mean, obviously Florence has proved how captivating she could be in the MCU and I think it's great to have that as a reference point, but I think that we're all talking about making a movie. You can come and if you've seen that stuff, great. If you haven't, there's still going to be a complete story that's been told in a movie that works on its own for sure while remaining part of the overall storyline. Um, the comments also come as Harbor recently confirmed on Happy, Sad, Confused that Marvel reworked the entire third act of Black Widow, Black Widow while they were shooting. Um, interesting. Again, check out Happy, Sad, Confused. Josh Horowitz, great interviews over there. If you haven't subscribed to him, you please go ahead and do so. Okay. I mean, good comments. I don't really think either way that if they were – I don't think – I mean, I didn't think that this was going to be – just because they had certain characters in it that it was going to be Black Widow 2. It didn't seem like it was going to be that. In the same way that when you look at like Ahsoka and you feel like it's going to be Rebels, the next season of Rebels, which is a live action season of Rebels. It's, you know, it's, it's fine. It's the question is, is it going to confuse the audience? In which he says, the director here uh, for, for um, Thunderbolt says, no, even if you've seen those things, it's it's great, but it's not. It's a standalone movie, and it's going to do its own thing. It connects in, in ways, but it, you're not going to be lost, essentially, is what he was saying. And it's the same concern people have with Rebels. And I saw a couple of people, and I, I got to say, I disagree with it um, thoroughly. Because you know, I took Mike, who Kalinowski, who is not a – not that he's not a Rebels fan. He just hasn't seen it. And his biggest concern that he was going to be lost. And I saw a few people, people that in our space that I um, – have done shows with and the two said, man, I think this is a, if you don't know rebels, you're going to be lost. I, I don't agree with that because Mike wasn't lost at all. Mike with that. And you guys know, Mike, 
If if he was lost, he'd be like, I don't know what's going on. I had no idea. Everything was going on. And he wasn't that way at all. He, he followed everything. So I think the same can be said about Thunderbolts. I think they're going to be aware of it. I think they're going to know what's happening, um, and they're going to they just want to focus on these particular characters because they they stand out. So I think that it's going to be a. Um, I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna work well. I think it's, it's gonna be one of the ones that could turn it around if it turns out well. I don't know. Are you guys excited for Thunderbolts? Let me know. Please tell me in the comments. Uh, I gotta know. All right, I gotta end with this because this is uh, this is very interesting to me. Lucasfilm is reportedly still developing a live action Knights of the Republic project. This comes from uh, Comic Book Movie, and this comes from uh, Mark Cassidy, who I like very much. So it's been a while since we've had any updates on Lucasfilm's plans for something, some kind of Knights of the Republic adaptation, but a new rumor is claiming that a project is still in development. Back in 2019, Kathleen Kennedy confirmed they are developing something to look at based on Knights of the Republic. Updates have been few and far between, but we might have a little more to go on. According to an insider at My Time to Shine Hello, the recent rumor that a trilogy of movies is in development was bogus. But she claims that a Knights of the Old Republic project of some description was in the works before the strikes got underway and will return to active development once things are resolved. We're not sure if it'll be a Disney movie or Disney Plus series, but last we heard, Leda Calgaridis, Avatar Shuttle Island, was working on a script. That was a few years ago, and even as the report is on the level, Lucasfilm may have enlisted a new creative team. Set almost 4,000 years before the formation of the Galactic Empire, Knights of the Republic started as a LucasArts game released in 20, excuse me, 2003, but there has soon been a plethora of spin-off novels and comic books. Story focuses on the era following the, the conclusion of Star Wars Tales of the Jedi comics during the early years of the Galactic Republic. In the game, the Mandalorians invaded the Republic in a pan-galactic conflict known as the Mandalorian Wars. The Jedi were hesitant to get involved, but a pair of renegade Jedis, Revan and Malak, stepped up to lead a Republic force to war. We don't know if Lucasfilm is planning a direct adaptation, but fans have been clamoring for movies or a series based on it for many years, so they'd be wise not to stray too far from the original premise. Um, well, you guys know from me, and I've said this many times over, um, it's my favorite story outside of Empire Strikes Back for Star Wars. I, I think it's brilliant. I love the writing behind it. Drew Carpetian is part of, was part of it in Bioware, who's also responsible for some of my favorite Star Wars novels and the Darth Bane trilogy. So I would love to see this. The question is, it's got to have the right team. And my, my thoughts that I'd always love to see f to spark the Old Republic in general would essentially be what this report is, right? And I would love to see a movie that starts it all with Revan, Malik, the whole story, a two-hour and 20-minute movie. You cover the movie. You cover what you, what you, everything you want it to be. You could either do one of two things. You could either complete the entire story, if you wanted to, within the two and a half hours and then spawn the Old Republic through TV series and, and other things and, and just conclude the Knights of the Republic there. Or you can get to a certain part in the movie that's kind of a big buildup or whatever it's going to be, and that's the end of the movie, and then you can continue and make a Knights of the Republic series on Disney+. And I think that you can kind of construct it the way that Rome, the, the show Rome, was supposed to go, right? I think what would be amazing if you did this two-hour, 20-minute movie, or even if you did two movies, whatever it was, you ended it. And then the Old Republic starts to have shows and the time period starts to live on Disney+. And then you eventually get to a place where you could adapt the Darth Bane books and the way that the Bane, those trilogy of books, you have the material. This is one of the things that's always been so baffling to me. You have well-written material that you can just adapt. And there's not, I mean, there's the hardcore fans that have read these books and played these games in the same way that The Last of Us had its hardcore fans, you, you adapt it. Don't go too far outside of the realm of what these stories were because that's when you're gonna that's when you're gonna lose people. And and it's also don't get into this silly, 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 silly thought of it's inside baseball and only the hardcore fans will enjoy it. There's a reason that the hardcore fans enjoyed it, not just because of deep pull Star Wars stuff, it's because it had good emotional core storylines and it had emotion and it had a good and you had a good feel while you were playing it and you you were you you responded to the characters and you had time to marinate with them I mean all these things 
and it was a good it was good story lore. Stick with that, adapt that stuff, and I hope that they develop it. I hope that they do it right. Um, will it ever see the light of day? I think the answer is yes. Now, when? Who knows? We'll cover this more on Wednesday's show with myself and Mike um, after we talk about Ahsoka, obviously. But, um, but yeah, who knows? Because the question is this. Right now, there's rumors that Mandalorian Season 4 is going to be a movie. Let's say hypothetically that's true. So the Ray movie is supposed to come out in May of 2025, right? So May of 2025, or 2026, May of 2026. And then let's say hypothetically the Mandalorian movie comes out in December of 2026, then pushing that Filoni back to 2027. And then the, and then the Mangold movie is supposed to come out in the end of 2027. So you wouldn't get this freaking movie anyway until like 2028, 2029 anyway. So there's no business and no reason to even talk about it right now, like that it's that it's going to happen. That's why it's going to be an active development when they come back from the strike. Um, now, the only other way that it could potentially come back earlier is if they do something on Disney+. Plus. Now, the other thing I would like to see on Disney+, Plus start to happen for whether it's Marvel or um, Star Wars. Now, I know Marvel did this for the um, for the werewolf one, but um, I would love to see a, like, just standalone movie on Disney+. Plus, Like, a, a movie just made for Disney+. Plus. And maybe they do that for Mandalorian. Maybe that's where that happens. Maybe the Mandalorian season four is a is a film, and it come and it and it just lands on Disney Plus. Maybe it's made specifically for Disney Plus, and that's how they get around bumping up the the other movies. Um, but I'd love to see something like even if like maybe maybe the Obi Wan season two isn't a season two. Maybe it's a standalone movie that they do with you, and maybe the Knights of Republic thing is a standalone movie they do on Disney Plus instead. And it's similar to what like Netflix does. And then with this new model that they have with what they're doing for Mandalorian and and WandaVision, you, you put the movies out if they're and you put them on Blu-ray and 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 all that, and you you try to make the money that way on the model. Just a thought. What do you guys think? Crazy? Possible? Go ahead and leave your comments on any one of these stories today. Please, 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 and thank you. Very, very helpful when you do that. And it's also helpful, once again, if you're able to, any one of our sponsors here today, I put all the descriptions, uh, links in the descriptions, and I put the linked comment. It helps out the show tremendously. It keeps us going. It's what uh, allows us. You support the show when you do that. I don't do, we don't really do super chats on this show and, and all those things. So if you're able to, um, and you have the means to, and you want, if you find something for you, please consider it. All right, guys, thanks again. And if you're brand new to the channel, you've never been here before, hit that button, baby. Subscribe. We're almost at 90,000. Hope you can help us out. See you soon. And we'll see you tomorrow, UAP Tuesdays, with me and Roxy Stryer and Riley. And then we're back on Wednesday with, Mar with um, Mike Kalinowski and myself talking to Soka. All right, guys, thanks. Peace.